Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by a very special guest, a man who is an international speaker, trainer, marketing, positioning, and sales expert, Justin Devonshire. Justin consults with some of the biggest names in the coaching world, including companies generating $20 million in revenues on how to triple their lead flow, charge premium fees, and scale their business quickly. Justin owns uh, businesses in multiple niches, including health, personal development, and entrepreneurial success. He's partnered and shared the stage with some of the most successful speakers in the industry, including Bill Walsh, Mark Mark Victor Hansen and Dave D. His businesses have been featured in Forbes, Cosmopolitan, Men's Health, Huffington Post, as well as national TV and radio. And I've asked him today to join us today to share a bit of his story and some success tips. So, Justin, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Hey, Daryl, I'm doing very good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's an honor and it's a pleasure. And obviously, you're well decorated. You've been, you know, on the grind for a long time. Uh, obviously, had a lot of ups and downs, and have a great track record to show for it. But were you always an entrepreneur? Did you come from a family of entrepreneurship? Like, how did you even kind of get the ball rolling? Well, I had. I've got no real family background in entrepreneurship. My parents are, you know, just very kind of old-fashioned, nine-to-five mentality uh, people. And but actually, that kind of spurred me on to uh, not want to go down the same path as them. They would come home from work at six o'clock every night. They'd be tired. They'd just watch TV, eat, go to bed. Right. And. I always, from a young age, just wanted to do something a bit more than that with my life. And um, uh, and I had the urge uh, when I was young in school and started uh, – I never had a – I always had this kind of natural thing against authority and the way things are usually done. <laughs> so I was very unemployable because I always thought right. my bosses were idiots. I always thought I could do things better. <laughs> that never and happens with an entrepreneur ever, right? <laughs> So, yeah, it just kind of happened. It was just kind of a natural tendency for me, I think. And uh, the young, at, at 16, 17, I uh, started getting into it and uh, started with a, with a martial arts academy. And uh, I started from there, really, from business to business. And, and that was, uh, well, I'm 29 years old now, so that was uh, over 10 years ago. So, wait, you had a martial arts academy? Yes. Yeah, so, What's kind uh, of art? When, so that was in uh, Tang Sudo, the stuff that Chuck Norris does. Got um, it. Kind of like, kind of like Taekwondo kind of thing. Got and, it. Uh, so yeah, once you get your black belt, you can become an instructor. And so I started just in little in little leisure center halls, you know, um, renting out space and teaching kids and teenagers. And I, I I grew it from there. But I didn't really know at the time back then it was a business. It was just a hobby or passion yeah. I'd taken all the way. And didn't really know the kind of financial business side, so right, I, right, right, uh, right. Splashed out money on those things and <laughs> didn't take it seriously. That's so cool. We both kind of have a similar path. I did jujitsu. I trained with Hicks and Gracie in Japan for a number of years, and then that's kind of same thing. I started jujitsu school. Didn't really know the difference between just having a hobby and having a business. So that's that's pretty awesome. So, what were some of your biggest challenges as you kind of developed and grew through your business career? Uh, so, you know, the first one was really, really, for me, it was starting to detach a little bit from the emotional side of, of, a, of a strong passion like that and really having to look at it as a business because, you know, it, it, it's, it, passion can be the big driver I found, but also the limiting, the thing that holds you back from, from outsourcing and, and developing and scaling at the same time. Mm, mm. And that was a big thing for me is learning a healthy level of detachment. So I, I transitioned from that eventually into uh, the personal training. I, I was doing martial arts myself at the time, but I had a few big injuries. 
I wasn't obviously good enough to go pro because I was getting beaten up. So <laughs> uh, a couple of uh, broken bones and things, and I, I got into rehabilitation and, and I started, you know, just ended up in, in the fitness side of things, training other athletes then. And, and, and so some of the major challenges really over time were starting to, learning to systemize everything and document and, and, and then learning to trust other people that they do the job because we always think, you know, we always think, you know, no one can do it like me. No one will care as much as me and all these things, don't we? Uh, so that was that was the, the biggest challenge. And I think that's what the challenge most solopreneurs are facing today that stops them. Even if they get to six figures, they won't go beyond that because they're trying to do it all themselves. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think even just because the personality type that you have as an entrepreneur, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you're not a good manager, right? For to be a visionary, to be someone pursuing your passions, to be excited about creating something in the world. It's not, it's not an easy thing for a lot of them to be the person that also like, did you punch in? Did you clock in on time? Did you clock out on time? Right? Have you had all your training steps? Like the, the, the detail people, like those details, that ramrod of trying to push people across the goal path. It's just a recurring theme that come for all the guests that we've had on our show, building a team and trusting that team and and enabling that team is just for a lot of people it seems to be kind of the biggest bottleneck or the biggest constraint on their success was that the the case for you oh definitely and uh, and i i remember one of the first books i read was the e-myth which talked about the three personality types you know the entrepreneur yep. the manager the technician and saying that you're two of the three usually yep and i'm definitely i was definitely an entrepreneur and technician me too uh, but I then I sucked at admin and managing. I couldn't organize, you know, uh, anything at all. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah. For for me, that thing then was really having to systemize that stuff. Uh, and, and the way it happened really for me was uh, I'd, I'd left the UK at this point. Uh, I'm from the UK originally, but I left and I went to live on the island of Cyprus in Europe. And I built my personal training company over there. And after about six or nine months of building a great customer base, I found out the news that my mother had had a brain tumor in the oh, UK. No, I'm sorry to hear so that. So we had to pack everything. I just I just packed everything up and, and flew back. Left left the business, left everything, and uh, flew back. And fortunately, my mother recovered. It was a benign tumor. She recovered, and I spent one year back in the UK just helping her out. But what I did in that time was I really had all that time to look at my systems and, and look at, and I, and I scripted, you know, all my, how do I answer my phone calls? How do I say hello to a customer? How do I do this? What do I do next? What are my, what are my, what are my Facebook post templates look like? And I, I spent literally, you know, six to nine months systemizing everything into a, a checklist, a template or a script. And I knew from that point it was a wake up that I wanted to go back to Cyprus, but I would no longer have the business dependent on me in case something like that happened again. And I saw the, I saw the, uh, the, the, the lack of a solid foundation that really was. I'm sorry, I'm a writer downer. So I hope everyone listening has their pens and paper out and is taking notes because even though for some of us, including myself, this is the first time I've heard it, but it's great to just have it jog your memory and write down things that you know you need to do and reminders and just take action items. So that way it's not just information, but it turns into action. So that's huge. So you systemize the whole business and then that kind of helped you step back and I guess start getting into multiple activities at one time. Is that correct? Yeah, I went back, started the personal training, and and this time uh, I and I rebuilt, I rebuilt it again, and this time I I was looking from day one for for uh, somebody to work in the business and work with the client, so I could focus on working on it and and developing it, and and I and again it was that that emotional experience that makes us you know wake up and do things differently the next time. So I learned the hard way. Hopefully the listeners can can pick up the easy way to to, to realize that. It's not a solid foundation, and uh, and so I did I did that, and and from there I started. It was a natural progression. I moved into multiple income streams in a very. Because uh, people ask about this, they they wonder how can you manage different income streams. But the key was that all my income streams between about seven or eight businesses right now are all related in some way. It was all about leverage. So from being a successful personal trainer. The next thing I did was then start helping other personal trainers because I would charge them basically from just my information of what's working right now and my systems. 
so it was a very easy transition. And, and from there, I started helping more general coaches because I realized the same principles went for life coaches or business coaches, you know, and, and, it, and it just develops outwardly like that. So everything I did was very leverageable. It built upon the last success. I wasn't out there trying to do five completely different things, which a lot of people try and do very quickly. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'm, I've got a patent pending and I'm a personal trainer and I've got a dog <laughs> school and I'm trying to be an astronaut and yeah, I got a mechanic shop over there. <laughs> yeah. Got it. So you're having things that there are a lot of transferable skills, transferable resources, transferable specialized knowledge too. It sounds like, and even the team, the team you train to run your school would be a great team to help even cover some of the coaching and the lessons. You may not have had to deliver all the coaching lessons to the personal trainers. You could have just pulled one of your staff and been like, Hey, tell these people about how you do what you do and let them try and make their own, you know, system to off of what you do to improve whatever they're doing for themselves. So now, Again, it's just a leveraged way where now you don't necessarily have to be the ringleader of everything. And the same thing, I guess, like you said, when you were just stepping it out to life coaches and from there forward. That's awesome. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see other coaches and trainers and business owners making? Um, so generally, I categorize the, the most of the people I work with as a, as a rough generalization. I have the guys who are kind of just below or within the six figure kind of mark, maybe, you know, Generate, generating up to maybe 300k a year and they have their own set of challenges and then I have a different kind of customer I work with who generally make 500 to a million plus and they have a whole different set of problems um so is there a certain one you you think would be better for this audience well or? what's the difference between the two can we talk about that so the first one is I find that the lower earners the ones getting into six figures they just don't have the basics in place they I think I think I've said it, it's a very simple, a big simplification. But I've, what I've seen from working with hundreds of entrepreneurs, not breaking the six-figure mark, is simply most of them just don't have a solid offer in place. They don't have enough of a product a product range. They have like one service, you know, one product. That's it. Rather than a high, medium, and low-ticket offer, which would capture more of the leads. They don't ask enough people, so they don't, they don't get the reach they need to make those offers. They're not investing in paid traffic. Uh, they're not getting a reach. They're not doing JV partnerships. They're just trying to hope for the best. Uh, and the third thing is, if they do have a product, a product range, and they do have the reach, and they're making sales, the third thing is, they're just not charging enough. And they're usually 33 to 50% lower on price than they should or could be. So generally I tell people that have a, have a good range of products, you know, middle, high and low, get a good reach of people seeing those offers and put your prices up. And usually they'll, they'll clear six figures pretty easily after that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I feel like for a lot of people, if they're not clearing, depending on the industry that they're in, if you're not clearing six figures, you're not really trying. Yeah, exactly. It's those simple basics. And, and then beyond that point, the next problem that, that we have then is kind of that 500,000 mark. Those kind of entrepreneurs are generally, they've, they've outsourced the delivery of the service a lot of the time, and they've just become full-time sales and marketing people. They're still working 40 hours a week, and before they tell me, I, tell, I say, I know what you're doing. You're doing click funnels and lead pages and copywriting and emails and your 25 million social media platforms, and you're doing this. And, and, you know, and I say, when did, did you ever really sign up to be a full full-time marketing person. And that's because they've been conditioned that that's the stuff they've got to learn. You know, you've got to do this copywriting course and this Facebook ads course and this sales training course. And it's good to have a general overview of those things. But what, what I quickly say to those people is that you need to kind of, it's just much easier to save. They can knock 10 hours a week off their work by just hiring a Facebook ads manager right. or hiring a copywriter. And they have a new emotional attachment to the fact they've invested in learning those skills. And paid money for it a lot of the time. So they've broken free. To get over six figures, they've broken free of the attachment to their technical trade. But now they've become attached to the new investment they've made in all the masterminds and sales courses and the rest of it. So when they come to me at that point, I'm basically telling them to unlearn all that stuff and just start hiring other people to do it for you. So you can be the entrepreneur, not the marketer. Right. So to keep build the team, keep building the team, do what you, you know, I have, I have saying don't betray the behaviors that got you where you are. Um, cause I know you have to change, you have to level up, 
but it almost sounds like for like you said they uh, married themselves from previous emotional attachments and then they get attached to new things because that's what they need to do to get the business going but then they're limiting themselves because they're not they're not willing to let those go or even just build a team around them for that as well is that correct well yeah and i say to them you know do you enjoy building out funnels all week yeah and they say no i hate it i'm just not cut out for this so i say well why don't you find somebody a young kid an 18, 19-year-old who loves this stuff and wants to learn and would bend over back. And a lot of these companies are doing over 500,000. So it's like a, a new kid coming into this industry would bend over backwards just to get the work experience with you on that portfolio. And they don't realize they can get people doing this stuff for them at virtually no cost whatsoever. Yep, yep. In fact, there's a great resource for everyone listening. It's a site called internships.org. You can post. I, I love it. Um, I've I use it even if I have international, um, even if I'm like right now I'm in Canada and most of the people I get are from the U.S. But you can post jobs there, paid and unpaid. And it's funny because I did an interview with Roland Fraser, who's on the board of directors for Digital Marketer. They do forty million a year, and he was saying for a lot of their positions, they'll basically get five to ten unpaid interns to do it or paid. Uh, but he's like, we grab five to ten interns for that job. We have them work, and basically we keep the best ones, you know. And then, and whoever doesn't make it doesn't make it, and that just saves them a lot of like having, you know what I mean, having to interview one person and give them one. He's like, we just we try to break the job up, or we give it like a six or eight month probation period, and we have everyone kind of doing duplicate work, so to speak, or working together as a team, and we keep the people that work out and the ones that don't. And I've had staff a couple of instances, six months, year, year and a half unpaid, just looking to get the experience. Um, because like you said, they're fresh out of college, fresh out of university. They know they don't know anything. You know, they know they're going to make mistakes. And the one, they're willing to work to prove themselves, to earn the job. And if you get someone who's earned the job that way, they're way more likely to treat it with respect and dignity and an ownership mentality than someone that just kind of gets it and then gets lazy. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, it's, there's no real cost to the business owner if you can get some of those people on board for a low cost intern or even free interns. So I think what you said there is really valid. And I think a lot of people listening to this call need to understand that everyone's always going to be a beta version of you. And so you just have to accept it. Take Justin's advice, create some checklists, some systems, some training modules, some templates for how you want things done in your business and just trust it to other people and manage based on results and objectives, not necessarily process. Have your checklist and st- you know, and that in place, but um, don't necessarily – I mean I, I – I'm Justin, you might disagree, but I was going to say don't necessarily micromanage, uh, but train and empower to, to – you know, and, and manage them by results more than anything else. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. Um, because that's the big thing that people say is they're not going to be as good as me, but they're forgetting that it's about duplication. So, you know, and it, when you when you weigh it all up, it's really a, it's really a nonsensical argument because, I mean, let's say we do we're talking about sales conversions, and maybe I can I can work I can do ten consultations, let's say, at an hour each, and I can close ninety percent on my product, and maybe my assistant can only close ten percent. But if I can train one person to close 10%, I can train 100 people to close 10%. And if we think of any big uh, company, you know, like like a, like a phone call company, the first thing they do is they, they, they open up an office block and they fill it with 19-year-olds, give them a sales script and tell them to get on with it. They don't, they don't like hire in like Frank Kern to work there or anything like that, you know. They just, right. <laughs> yeah. they, they just, they just get kids and they, and they know that with practice – because those guys will be doing the sales full time, they're going to get way better than you because it's their full time job. Right. And they're specialized in it too. That's the other thing. I love this. I do this all the time. I got to pull it up. But um, entrepreneur, the definition of entrepreneur, I love this. A uh, buddy of mine, Brad, said this first. So I so said the definition, when you look up entrepreneur in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses. Person who organizes and operates a business or businesses. Not the person who answers the phone, balances a checkbook, cleans the toilet, does the fulfillment, you know, like, so I love that. Like what you said, like, because they're in a specialized role, they're doing it full time, they're going to get a ton of practice. And it really, you know, it's about doing the work. We did another interview uh, his name was John. I forget his last name, but he's got a sales app, and he's a sales trainer, and he's 
he actually it's funny you say phone company he runs like he's got like 17 locations of uh cell phone outlets retail outlets and he says the biggest thing that he sees the difference between all the people using his app and all the stores he has the sales reps he's like there's people who do the work and there's people who don't do the work and the people who do the work get better and the people who don't do the work we fire them and replace them with people who do the work like he's just like you know because exactly what you said he's like if you just you just put those hours in you'll just get better talk to people like have the conversations be out there don't be afraid to be rejected so that's awesome that's awesome and again it comes down to building the team and duplicating yourself because there's only so many hours in a day exactly yeah that's so right so those are some of the biggest challenges you see some of your clients and other entrepreneurs making and we talked about the six-figure level and we talked about the five hundred thousand to million dollar level what happens when people get over a million dollars do you see that there tends to be common challenges people face after that point you know it's it, um, you know, and, and this is not something I'd have as much experience in as, you know, probably about 20% of my clients account for this level. It's, it is often about, sometimes I see, you know, the, 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 their own kind of big vision holding them back, you know, because we can always see the, uh, we're always attached to our own fears, but from another, someone else can see what you can't see. And sometimes it's, when they get to that million point, it's usually then a bit of fear and it's like a big transition in life. And they need at that level, usually with those clients, when they get to that level, I have to be very wary and um, I don't want to say become like a life coach, but I have to be a lot more aware of how they're doing emotionally because it's that responsibility. They, they look around one day and it kicks in that they're responsible for all these people now. And they're like, holy shit, what the hell do I, you know, what happens now? So it's usually a case of, um, I found at that level, it's like a pivot point where you've got to keep them focused, keep them growing the vision and really help them to take care of themselves at this point. So it's usually stepping out when we're doing these things, we're building it the right way. So they're doing less work, you know, on those kind of things. And it's something we do call filling the void. Because at this point is when we're, we have more freedom. We have, we're only working maybe four to four hours, five hours a day, maybe maximum. And they feel because of their past conditioning, they should be doing more. And they can drop back into, uh, as Tim Ferriss calls it in the four hour work week, he calls it work for work's sake. And, you know, we, we, if I'll take an entrepreneur and they're doing 10 hours a week of emails, we'll outsource that in a week. And then suddenly they'll be twitching their thumbs and think, oh, I better start a new Snapchat account. <laughs> right. Right. Just right. to fill up the void because they can't relax into uh, – and I think this is really important. They need to relax because they need to conserve their energy at this point because it's it's more it's, – it's about coming away from physical hard work. That's what employees will do. And I think for the big entrepreneurs going over that million mark, it's really then about conserving their mental energy. It's the mental hard work of dealing with the responsibility of big things and dealing with these bigger numbers in their bank account and dealing with changing relationships and people coming out of the woodwork and wanting money off them or people look it's, – it's all these, these, these um, other things that go well beyond business that they need to really learn to, to – to conserve their mental energy and stay focused and strong. And I found that's probably the biggest challenge around that point. Yeah, you're right. I, I definitely agree. I think a lot of tax and legal issues become visible then because oh. once you start get over a million dollars, you start yeah. showing up on a lot of people's radars that you weren't on before. And like you said, mentally, it can be very taxing. And it's, I think that's very well put because there's a responsibility and there's being a target and then there's trying to protect what you've built. And there's a lot of mental drain that goes into that because even though you might have lawyers, even though you might have accountants in that, it, it plays a mental toll on you. It takes a mental toll because it's your baby. It's your business. You've spent so much time and energy. And you're also right on the other point. I know exactly like I've known for uh, automating funnels and automating you know, high-end sales and in fact, found out a funnel I did uh, built done over seven and a half million. But it's like as soon as you start getting into automation, you don't you don't like if you do ten things a day, you automate seven of them. You don't like oh I'm going to kick it on the beach and only do my three things relax. You find a whole new seven things right like oh I could do more yeah. now like it just doesn't or like, new business yeah 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 so I love that yeah working for the sake of working so that's awesome. So do you feel you've had any habits? 
that you've had on a regular basis or developed along the path that really helped you be successful and habits that you see some of the more successful clients uh, that you have like doing on a consistent basis, sharing? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, the first one sounds cliche and boring and everyone's heard it, but it's taking care of your health first. Uh, and starting the day, uh, you shouldn't, I don't believe you should jump out of bed and just start cramming on emails. I believe, first of all, I, I wake up in most mornings, I go for a, like a six kilometer walk first thing in the morning. I walk for about one hour in the morning next to the ocean just to clear my head and start the day off right. Um, starting with with like the gratitude journal and things we talked about before before we started recording. To, to put yourself in a, nothing kind of woo-woo, but just to put yourself in a positive frame of mind so you start in the right way and that will be like a domino effect for the whole day. I also believe in starting with proactive tasks rather than reactive tasks. So that by that, I mean starting with the two or three most important things that you can do that day, not starting on Facebook or emails, because when we go on those platforms, we end up looking at our messages and what people want from us. And we start reacting and, and we start consuming time with what people need from us rather than saying, you know, this thing needs to be built or this thing has to happen or this product has to be made. Get those proactive things done first and then I would then recommend it maybe at 12 p.m. at midday. Then, then I would check messages for the first time for a 30-minute window and um, then get back to people. That that helps declutter quite a lot. That's, um, that's a great Yeah, that would be the main things. Yeah, no, that's that's a great tip. I think that's uh, definitely one of the most consistent things I've seen, having a good solid morning routine just because it, it establishes the foundation. I mean, I love my morning routine like you. I wake up early. I go do CrossFit. I meditate. Uh, I'll take the dog for a walk. I do the gratitude and gratitude journal. I'm a fan. My listeners know I'm a fan of the five-minute journal. You we were talking about you use the self-journal. I actually found the one I've got right here. Um, I bought two of them. I'm going to use it next. I am uh, use the five-minute journal and productivity planner. Um, the self journal is also a good one, um, and just getting clear in your goals and day. And I love that Brian Tracy calls it eating the frog. You know, yeah. doing the important <laughs> stuff first because it's so easy. It's almost like they say with like saving money, pay yourself first, right? Before you spend your paycheck, pay yourself first and get put some money away for whatever. Um, Jim Rohn, he he advocates a 70-10-10-10 plan where you 70% of your earnings you can spend, 10% you save, <clears throat> 10% you you spend in two ways, active and passive capital. Active is you give it to – or you actively spend it to try to grow it and passive is you give it to someone else and try and let them grow it and the last 10% you donate to charity. Um Anyways, just some tidbits for people listening to this here. But that sounds that sounds fantastic. Um, now, how do you deal with problems and frustrations and setbacks, or if something works that it wasn't intending to work? You know, we talk about these things that set ourselves up for success, but how do you help people when things just hit them for out of left field and send them for a spin? You know, like it's great you've had this great day, all this is happening. I mean, are there any big things? that you see your clients dealing with that are hard to bounce back from? And how do you, I don't know if that's a too open-ended of a question, but what I'm really looking for is like, you know what I mean? Like what are the real things to look out for? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it comes down to your mindset to begin with. And what I, what I see is again, the earners, you know, the kind of six figures and below earners, they tend to take things a bit, a bit harder sometimes because they're usually more in that uh, scarcity kind of state. They need to get things off the ground and they, they freak out over little things. Whereas when we're more seasoned and, and we've been through cycles and we've seen, you know, we've seen cycles in the market and we, and we, and we've done different things. We tend to, we're bummed about it, but it's, uh, it's, we, we have that mindset to plow on and that's just because that's, that's what's got us to that point. So we've overcome those things in the past. So, um, yeah, it's 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 uh it's a tough question. I think it'll be it's very different from for every person. I think it depends where they are. And I would say for me, what's helped the most has really been to meditate, as you said, and to practice my levels of self awareness and presence. So the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle has been a fantastic book in that 
in it. I mean, again, it's not what most people think. It's not to kind of bullshit yourself that nothing will ever bad happen. Uh, it's the, it's just to help train your brain so that inevitably the things will happen that we don't desire, but it will allow you to respond to them more calmly, more rationally, and not to blow things out of proportion. Because most setbacks, as you said, they, unless you just lose everything overnight and your house burns down and you're kicked out in the street and you live like a bum and people spit on you, right. it's, not, it's never as bad as we make it out to be usually. Yes. Yes. So it's usually an, an egotistic, an ego-based thing based on pride or an achievement we wanted to hit. Uh, and a lot of the time it is like, you know, uh, I'll get, get someone, you know, really distraught saying, oh, the marketing campaign didn't work. It was a failure. And, and it's usually about defining those things first. And I, don't, I try and define language. And I say to my client, well, define failure. Oh, we only made, we only made you know, $30,000. I wanted seventy. And it's like, okay, well – do you think that thirty thousand dollars this week is actually, you know, okay? Is it, is it better than <laughs> what you did last week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's better than you know ninety nine point nine nine percent of the world doing right now. So it's about putting things back in perspective, looking at gratitude again. I think, and and usually recognizing how far you've come because we get caught up in the moment, and often it's about comparing ourselves, the ego again, to other people rather than saying, look at your own goals, look at where you've come from, and and then realizing this is just one big long journey, and it's all about the wins along the way, and being appreciative that you, you have a roof over your head, you're, you have a roof over your head, you, you, have, you, you have your health, you have people around you, uh, everything was good today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's about embracing the grind. I was lucky that I, I spent three years in Japan working in Tokyo, and I got to know the culture really well. And they've got one of the most intense work ethics in the world. In fact, the United Nations and the international community condemned them, condemned them once upon a time, saying they were overworking their children because the children would go to day school, and then when school finished, like the same time most of our schools would finish, then the kids would go to night school. And when the school finished and it was summer break, the kids would go to summer school. Um, the average workday in Japan is 10 hours a day, six days a week. That's right now if you're like a quote-unquote, I'm making air quotes here, if you're a salary man. But it comes from back in the day, the philosophy of knowing your purpose. They call it an ikigai, your purpose in life. Uh, there's a lot of interviews in Okinawa where there's the highest concentration of centurions, people who lived over 100 than anywhere else in the world, and they all have an ikigai, a reason to get up and live, a reason, like a purpose behind their life. And the whole concept, it was also uh, displayed in the movie, what was Tim, The Last Samurai, he was with uh, Tom, Tom Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Right, right. Where it, like it was just every day. It didn't matter. There was no weekend. There was no holiday. Every day you would wake up and you would practice your craft. And the sole purpose was to get better. Every day was to get better. People here and they often wonder like sometimes they hear about like seppuku where people would stab themselves in the gut and commit suicide by killing, stabbing themselves in the gut and, and basically disemboweling themselves. And part of it is like they were so wrapped up and you have a purpose to your life and you need to live and refine, you know, and just embrace that grind. And if you betray that, if you fail at it, like, you know, it could be life or death. Um, and it's, you know, for some people it's too intense, but just from what you're saying, you know, to bring it a little bit more modern, a little bit less barbaric, you know, like you said, like at the end of the day, you know, you've got your health. Hopefully that's the most important thing because I've seen a lot of people make a lot of money and then spend it all and money they didn't have to try and get their health back. So the health is so important. But like you said, just embrace the grind to just you know, to enjoy the journey, um, to have goals, to stretch for them, to stress out over them. <clears throat> Just an interview about how stress, there's all sorts of new research coming out that stress, a lot of people worried about stress and how it can cause illness. They found out that some of the most successful and most productive people in the world use stress like a tool. Um, and they, it's almost like nitro in a car. Like they turn it on when they need it and then they have uh, methods in place to help them calm down afterwards and like get rid of the adrenaline and all that, you know, and just kind of get back to level. And they're not afraid to be stressed out because they know that it'll, it'll help them engage and turn on and do better than they could. They enjoy the pressure. So I think, forgive me, I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but I just really love what you said because it just speaks to being about something and living that every day. And knowing that there's ups and downs and just going along for the journey. And I think at the end of the day about trying to – it being about trying to help a certain type of people. 
um, and that's the you know the end user that your business is serving. Now, I wanted to ask about that though too, because you talked about getting detached from your business emotionally. Do you get atta- detached? Like, can we speak about that a little bit? Like, is it because you still yeah. have to be passionate so, about your customers? Yeah. So what, what I mean is is getting detached not from the business, but detached from the trade. You know, that solopreneur technician. Yeah. Right. Right. And you know, and it's because it's something you know I learned from Rob Kiyosaki and uh, and many other investors about the the four types of income earners and and the emotions that drive them. And this is a very important concept I lay out to my clients to, to understand, to help them be self-aware of, of where they are. And, you know, we, ha- we have the employee, which is dri- who's generally driven by fear, just wanting benefits and security. The solopreneur becomes driven by ego because they've, they're sick of being an employee and want to get paid more for what they do. So they start trading time for money, but still like an employee. Then the business owner generally is driven then more by contribution big impact, things like that, you know, uh, uh, but then finally you have the investor who's driven by no emotion, only what the facts and figures say. And so what, as, as Rob Kiyosaki teaches is most people that generally want to learn about business and are growing are stuck in that solopreneur slash business owner hybrid. And I found that the, the most healthy switch is to go from to business owner investor hybrid. So in a way you're de- you you you, ha- you want to achieve those big things and make a big social contribution, but as an investor knows, the entrepreneur is the biggest, the biggest, uh, the most valuable thing and the biggest threat to the business. So in, at once, right, right, so right, right. What I find is when you ha- when you find that nice way of blending that 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 will to go out there and do big things, you blend it with a more calculated approach of looking at the numbers and does this make real sense. Am I led or am I letting my imagination fly out the window here? When you get that nice blend of the two, I think by having by being more reserved and, and, and thinking a bit clearly first, uh, people might say, oh, you're losing passion and things like that, but they're just full of it usually. If you can step back and become more that investor-minded approach, you'll start investing in more people. You'll start investing in putting your money into things instead of your time. You'll be more productive. And ironically then, that is when you can step back, invest in people to do the work, and you can actually make a much bigger contribution to the world. Because who's going to help more people? Um, like you know, I'll talk about martial arts because we're both in that background. I'm, if I'm helping 50 students as a martial arts instructor, I'm not making as much contribution as if I'm helping 50 instructors yes, help yes. 50 people. Yes. So we have to – and there's a lot of talk about passion and heart-centeredness and this kind of thing. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs – Use that as an excuse and a cover-up to stay small. Instead of saying, if I'm really heart-centered and passionate about helping people gain confidence through martial arts, it's better I separate myself from it and stand back and train the trainers. Yep, yep, yep. And that's the sacrifice and contribution I'm making. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. I mentioned earlier how I found out that a funnel, an automated funnel I built – I knew it had done about three and a half million. I found the most updated two and a half, three years. It's done about seven and a half. But when I was going through that, it was all B2C stuff. And I remember knowing, having built a couple of businesses, some successful, some unsuccessful, knowing like exactly what you said. The most average businesses have a couple hundred to a few thousand customers. But if you could help a couple hundred to a few thousand entrepreneurs, and in effect, you're helping tens and hundreds of thousands of end users. Um, and I love that. And so again, I just... Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but it's what it is. It's about having an impact on this world. About doing, figuring out a skill, teaching it to someone else so they can benefit from it too, right? It's it's not just about getting the fish. Yeah. It's about teaching others to fish. So, um, so you put two personal trainers together. You know, at this point right now in the world, you know, one personal trainer is telling his or her clients, you know, I'm passionate and heart centered, so I'm going to stay here and work with you personally forever. Another personal trainer is saying, I'm passionate and heart-centered about helping people achieve this goal, so I'm going to step back, and I'm going to have to stop working with you, but my team are going to take care of you now. Right, right. But I'm training a team of people who are going to take better care of you than you've ever thought possible, and this team is going to be able to help not only you, but 50, 100 other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. And the reason for that being is that 
they've got the skill set to teach others, right, how to do it and to collectively. I mean, a lot of people complain about the youth. I forget the term, but there's an actual term for the mindset that the youth are deteriorating. Like the gist generation is worse than the last generation, but all the numbers prove the exact opposite is true. That actually as a species and a society, all the important metrics stress, like literacy late, uh, literacy rates, child mortality rates, like deaths per capita, all these things are reducing. We're living longer. We're smarter. Like all these things are, are, are improving. Sorry, I meant to say like, oh, they're all right. All the negative things are reducing. They're all improving. And that's because we all work together to bring the level up. So very, very powerful, very, very powerful. And I think it's easy for us to talk about this, but I think like when it comes to the end of the day, like, like the people that there's, uh, you know, that are suffering for earthquake, that have had an earthquake and they're dying or in Syria, there's this war going on. There's over 6 million displaced people and people are so shocked about this. The world's actually never been less barbaric than it is today. And so that's something to celebrate. It doesn't mean we stop and relax, but I think that's an important point. So, um, so perfect. So now I have a question. What do you feel is going to be the future of your industry? Where do you like, do you see any future trends coming along in the fields that you work in? You know, so I work kind of, you know, mainly in the, in the like health, fitness, uh, personal development, business consulting, uh, helping kind of consultants and trainers and information publishers really, uh, you know, I'm teaching them that consulting is just one thing they do. And I would just on a hunch, obviously, I think, I, I see, you know, from a from an output kind of uh, thing. I think it's going to be the rise in authenticity in social media. So it's going to be there's so much content on there, and even Facebook is showing now that people are, are contributing less than they used to, because people are getting a little bit sick of the fake photo, the fake Facebook photos, and the and the look how great I am, and look at my Ferraris, and all this kind of thing. And, and even I if, you know, if, <laughs> yeah, and, and even if you've achieved those things, people are still only showing like, oh, look how great things were. And I think those who are really pushing the boundaries now and are really getting rapid success are those who are showing the other side of it and showing, yeah, but, you know, these are the struggles I went through. And I'm, you know, uh, and, and talking about relating those things and showing that they're and that, this is what the epitome of being social is. It's just relating. So social media is definitely getting bigger and bigger. The internet's still a baby. So there's so much more to come with that, with, with Snapchat and things, that I think it's going to be really the people who can tell powerful, authentic stories and be themselves. Uh, we're just we're in a world right now where you know people are just crying out for something authentic and real. They could because and they want to they will latch on to the leaders that that they see that confidence in, that they feel they can be themselves around. So I think that's definitely going to be what's going to penetrate through the clutter and noise of marketing right now. From a more tactical point of view, I would also add that I think it's going to be the companies are going to perform better will be the ones that more quickly go from a free subscriber base to a low paid subscriber base because of the rise of things like Netflix and you know, iTunes and these kind of companies, I think it's lowering the front end barrier of business. I'm not saying to not do high ticket stuff, but a lot of coaches, consultants, especially are pricing based on ego and they're not thinking strategically. So I think bringing the barrier, a lot of more um, macro continuity, um, micro priced subscriptions to get people from free subscriber to paid subscriber and then upselling after which which forces you to really work harder at building a long-term relationship with the clients. I think the companies that do that are really going to start really benefiting because they can take that social media presence, be authentic, be raw, and instead of having to do these high-ticket webinars and things all the time, which still work great, but it's going to be those guys who can build a great following and say, hey, join my $4.99 a month subscription. And they'll suck the people in straight from social media, from social to paid subscriber within a day and they can then build a relationship and after one, two, three months, start up selling into their live events, masterminds, products, and so on. I see that being one of the main tactics to be employed in the future. Now, I love that strategy. I'm a huge advocate and I have my own opinions, but I would love to just hear you share. Um, why do you think it's so important to have, like, because hopefully people listening to this understand 
uh, if they've listened to any of my podcasts, they know that the, the money's in the list and all these things. Can you just talk a little bit about why would that matter? Like, why would you, why would you care about if you've got an, a free audience of 300,000 people, why would you care about having a paid audience of 20, 30, or even smaller numbers of, you know, of yeah. 3,000 free people versus a couple hundred people paying you a few, like literally like a cost of a Starbucks a month? What, why is that powerful and different? Why? Can you, can you just? Great question. Yes. As, and, and many, many reasons. I'm probably not going to have time to go into right. all of them. Uh, but I, you know, I teach, this is one of the main things I teach my clients on, on a one day thing is. But first of all, I would say it's because, let's start with the customers. It's because of the lack of trust in the market. Market's becoming too saturated, especially when we're talking about the coaches, consultants, um, expert industry. It's being oversaturated. It's Forbes, uh, Forbes and other stats are showing it's growing by 80, gonna grow by 80% by the year 2018. And again, the second thing is most people are just pricing on ego and not strategy. So. If we can reduce that risk for the customer, we can quickly start filling up a, a very low-priced pe paid subscription where you don't even want to try and make your profit from. So the first thing is if we can make those costs, then more sales can be made. There's less work needs to be done by the coach. They haven't, coaches haven't got to spend all day learning sales and NLP and objection handling. It's just reducing the risk by saying, you know, Let's just start with a low price, low price trial. Um, so it, it makes they can focus more on doing the job they're meant to be doing. Uh, it's going to let customers come in easier, and you know, essentially, if you can do that, it, it's it's part of something I learned from Jay Abraham, which is where he talks about break even now and break the bank later. Because we can also get traffic and cust and prospects so cheap these days. Uh, it makes sense just to kind of convert those prospects as soon as possible and, and get a faster turnaround time. So it's getting them in, let them try you out, let them get to know you, like you, and trust you, and then get better at making, you know, systematic systematic backend offers. So I've got a, I've got like a, you know, a very um, small inner circle group of people I work with, and I charge much less than some of my you know um, contemporaries do. And they're always telling me, they're like, Justin, you know, uh, you know, you, you could charge double or triple what you do. And I tell, and, but what they don't see is from the outside is that I've got a very small, I don't advertise, I don't even advertise this group publicly. It's just something I do really as a hobby on the side just to give back a little bit. Um, you know, and I've got like 40 or 50 customers in that group, but I've made probably 40 to $50,000 of backend sales from that group since uh, three months ago. So when you actually break that number down, divided by the yeah, number of customers, customer. I have an actual, I have a, my my average monthly customer value is more around the three hundred dollar month mark. So it's not about how much you make on the front end, but can you let people in? Um, they they're invested in you, and there was also another statistic I heard somewhere that if you can just overcome that first transaction, they trust you enough. They're like nine times more likely, or something, to pay you more in thirty days time. So it's just overcoming that first payment barrier. And now they've paid you a little bit of money and they'll trust you to pay you more. So it's making it easy for them to get into your funnel. I love it. No, it's so true because there's a lot of tire kickers. There's a lot of people who will speak, you know, but, uh, but people, people put, uh, what is it? Put their money where their mouth is, right? Like mm. when people put yeah. their money where their mouth is, you know that there's true interest, there's true commitment. And I love how you said that because I always say that the two most difficult things, two t most difficult human interactions to have between yourself and another human is one to get them to have sex with you and two to get them to give you money because those are two things that make <laughs> people feel way too vulnerable. I mean, we all know exceptions to the rule but generally speaking most humans are skeptical and hesitant to have sex with just anyone and they're skeptical and hesitant to give anyone their money so if you want it like you say it's about building that relationship about making it really easy just look just give me five bucks you know just see what's like what I, I love that analogy as well i was glad you brought that up because it's something i use i didn't know if i you know if we'd be pushing the boundaries or not about it but I've, I've used that before of that you know so with the sex example, right? That's ultimately where in, in a metaphor for sales we're leading to, to, to the sex, right? Right. It's, but, it's the artist's section. But in, a, but in that context, you've got to get the kiss on the cheek first. If you don't get a kiss on the cheek, you can't get to the next level. So what I'm proposing is let's get the kiss on the cheek, which is like the macro payment, as fast as possible. 
because we can't go anywhere until that happens. Because yeah. the first time somebody does anything, the first time you rode a bike, the first time you tied your shoes, first time you had to do a task at a new job, the first time people do anything, they're nervous and scared, and they're even if it's completely irrational, that's that's welcome to human, like welcome to humans. We're emotional and irrational. But if you make that first yeah. step so safe, so easy, they do it. They go, hey. That wasn't so bad. And then you make them an offer for a $40 thing or a $100 thing. They go, well, you know what? I've been paying this guy five bucks a month for three months. I've been getting a ton of value. If this is what I get for five bucks a month, what am I going to get for 97 you know, and it makes it so much easier. You talked about paid media earlier. I mean, one of the most magnificent things about uh, the online marketing is that you can market to your existing customers. You can market to people who visit your website. You can, all these pixels, you can build a pixel of people that click your ads or, you know, that listen to what you're saying and only spend your advertising dollars really on them, remarketing, retargeting, whatever you want to call it. And it's such a high ROI activity you know, and it's because you're you're working with the people that you have a relationship with. You're not just spamming. It's not TV broadcast marketing anymore, where you're pumping your message out to millions and millions of people who don't know you. It's really it's about personalized relationships. It's what I consider to be how marketing even got started. It was a one-on-one face-to-face conversation that eventually got put into a letter that eventually got translated into all these other media. But it really started off with that face-to-face, kneecap, kneecap kneecap to kneecap conversation and that relationship we have. So um, now we just have tools that allow us to scale that. You have a Facebook group, a few hundred people, a few thousand people, right? Same thing. Yeah. Well, that's um, one more thing I like about the, that model as well is it just it just allows you to liquidize your costs. So if you have a list of uh, 50,000 subscribers, if you can get 5,000 of those, start paying you 10 bucks a month, you can just reinvest all that money straight back into advertising and essentially build your company for free. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But you can't do it if you're not making anything. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's excellent. Yeah. Justin, was there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Um, well, I think we covered a lot of stuff there. So. <laughs> yeah. No, we definitely did. We talked about mindset stuff. You talked about how um, systemizing everything was a big breakthrough for you after you figured out how to kind of make money and have a business up and running. You talked about how uh, to get from zero to six figures, how we need to get a solid offer, how we need some sort of price range, a high, medium, low-end product to help convert more leads. Some leads will only want the low-end. Some leads will go take the high-end and what wonders that can do for your business. Talked about uh, asking for the order more often, that they're not putting out enough offers or promoting them or they're just afraid to sell. People that aren't using paid ads, they're not using JVs, uh, they're not getting their message out there, and if they are, they're probably not charging enough. And then after that, how they're trying to do everything themselves in the sales and marketing department, and they're afraid to build a team and delegate to other people to help them push past that seven-figure mark and to use different software and tools and get out of being the ringleader because their ego's attached to it talked about the different types of investors, the employee and solopreneur, where fear is a big thing uh, for the employee, their fear, and they just want benefits and security. The solopreneur is fear, but ego, how being a business owner, once you step to that, you you aren't afraid. Um, you, you're not tied to things. You're a little bit more detached. You're more about impact and contribution. Um, but the investor is where there's really no emotion. It's more about facts and figures. We talked about the different things, having a, ha- a good routine, talked about a couple of books to get you out there, how to structure your day, talked about um, great list building strategy, how to monetize your list for anyone that's afraid of being too salesy or too pushy, how building a community and then building a small, we call it micro, micro payment, macro payment. Um, what do you micro, call it? Con- like micro continuity. Micro continuity. Yeah, yeah micro, there we go. Micro continuity, yeah. I love that though. It's just so easy and it's so cheap and it's so, and then there's low expectations on you. It's easy to over deliver on. And so you've got a group of people. I mean, you always have friends for a reason, friends for a season and friends for life. So you have a group of friends and the reason is they pay you five bucks and I mean a month and how hard is it to deliver $5 worth of value? And like I said, it builds that relationship. You've got cash flow going great, great, great strategies. Um, so Justin, you've been super helpful. Um, what do you have going on? If people want to reach out, if they love your message, they love your style, they love what you're doing and they want to connect, how can people get in touch with you? So the first thing, you can just find me on Facebook. I spend most of my time on there. Uh, <laughs> that's my main communication uh, method. My email and stuff is generally outsourced. I don't, I don't check that as often. Um, but there's Facebook and if you – I do have uh, like just a free newsletter that I send out an email every few days. 
uh, with tips on on growing through a six-figure into a seven-figure scalable income, uh, especially for coaches, trainers, consultants, and expert service providers. And you can you can find that at justindevonshire.com forward slash newsletter. That's awesome. So Justin Devonshire, the last name, just so you guys know, is was a D E V O N S H I R E. So what was the, what was the URL again? Uh, JustinDevonshire.com forward slash newsletter. There we go. So um, again, Justin, I know you could be doing other things. I know you've got clients or micro subscriber clients, lots of people <laughs> you could be spending your time with today, but really you chose to come and share with my audience and just give, uh, just to help, like you said, raise the level of consciousness, raise the level of ability, help me in my mission to create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. So I deeply and truly and sincerely appreciate your time today. Um, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And, uh, if there's anything I can do to help you, just let me know. All right, thanks, Daryl. I love I love the mission you're working on. It's uh, it's really amazing. So I'm happy to help. Announcing Daryl Urbanski's Double Your Business Mastermind Mentorship and Implementation Program. That's right. For my fans out there, you asked, so I'm going to deliver. That's right. Imagine if you could get my brain focused on your business goals. Well, for 15 to 20 people listening right now, here's what you need to know. First, who should participate? I'm looking for business owners entrepreneurs, regular people, and beginners who want to learn the best tools, strategies, hacks, and tactics for marketing, management, and business growth from myself and our experts you hear on this show. We're looking for someone who has an honest, open mind, and progressive attitude, someone who is extremely busy and needs a time-efficient way to learn and grow, someone who is highly motivated to make improvements in their marketing and sales methods, is eager to substantially increase their income, someone who is willing to share ideas, experiences, and help other like-minded entrepreneurs, someone who values being part of a creative process, someone who is always seeking improvement and believes you can make money, or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. And especially someone who can be counted on to participate and be a valued member of the group. Who clearly should not apply for this program? People who are set in their ways, stubborn, fearful of change, and ignore the truth. People who are satisfied with or married to their present advertising, marketing, and sales methods. People who have no need or desire for increases of income, wealth, business growth, or impact on the world. People who are selfish, unappreciative, or have poor integrity, stay away. No thanks. Try something else. People who have a lack of self-discipline and are not serious about mastering business and marketing should not apply for this program. So to recap, to be a part of this mastermind, you must be willing to share during the meetings all your successes, victories, secrets or discoveries, failures, frustrations, implementation tips, setbacks and problems. You must be willing to be honest with your feedback and opinion of other mastermind members when we ask for it. You must also be willing to accept constructive criticism from others, which means being open to potentially having your feelings hurt because it's about results, not fuzzy warm feelings. You must be able to attend at least two of the three yearly meetings, and yes, efforts will be made to choose dates that work for everyone. You must have an honest desire to grow your business to the next level and be willing to put in the work. And especially important, you must maintain confidentiality of all sensitive information discussed in the mastermind meetings, or you will be kicked out immediately. You must also be able to make the 12-month commitment. It will not be cheap, and there are no discounts. Next, you must qualify. How do you qualify? Two steps. Step one is you must be able to answer yes to most, if not all, of the following 13 points. One, do you want to be personally walked by the hand by our guests and I, helping you to avoid the mistakes and pitfalls as you grow your business and discover our very real business growth and marketing secrets? Two, would receiving accountability and encouragement be just the thing to help you better implement and get things done? Three, are you interested in facilitated, accelerated learning and deeper application of Daryl Urbanski, me, my strategies for business development and marketing? Four, do you find you rarely have enough time to focus on improving your advertising, marketing, deal flow, and business strategies on your own as you'd like? Five, 
Would you gain valuable insights just by joining a group of like-minded, progressive people applying the same ideas to strengthen their businesses and incomes? Six, would associating regularly with a focused group of successful marketers and entrepreneurs stimulate your ingenuity and imagination while inspiring you to be better and do more? Seven, would you like to have a structured opportunity to launch cooperative alliances with other business owners and marketers, possibly even guests we've had on the show? Eight, does being part of a mastermind group bringing together the most successful forward-thinking business owners with one goal to grow each member's business to new levels interest you? Nine, do you want to be part of a group where in the true spirit of masterminding you will present your biggest obstacles problems and opportunities to the group where all of us together and I do mean all of us brainstorm and come up with the best ideas for you 10 is there someone in your personal life that you'd love to be able to say see I told you I could do it too 11 would you agree that getting cutting-edge info before most others even know these secrets exist gives you a major competitive advantage in a business even if you don't know anything about business marketing or sales right now 12. Have you ever heard of somebody else making it big financially and thought, if they can do it, I know I can do it. All I need is a chance. And 13. In the back of your mind, would you agree if you had a team of winners consistently helping and pushing you to higher levels, you would definitely improve your financial position? If you resonate with what I've just said, then this program is for you. However, you do need to act fast. This podcast is downloaded by six to 10,000 people on average a month. And for this group, there are only 20 spots available. What topics will we cover in this mastermind group? Everything you've heard discussed in these interviews, plus much, much more. Things like testing and tracking, how to discover hidden profits without increasing your ad budget, automation, how to take one successful campaign and make it evergreen to feed your children's children's children, lead generation, how to fill your funnel with hungry prospects ready to give you money, things like behavioral marketing, putting the right offer in front of the right prospect at the right time, direct mail, building relationships and investing in customers when it matters most, traffic, increasing the size of your sales, influence, and universe, CRM systems, you reap what you sow and everyone knows the money is in the list, copywriting, how the pen is mightier than the sword, sales processes, using systems to optimize sales and profits, for example, buying cycles, lead scoring, ascension ladders, etc. Referral systems help your customers multiply themselves and drastically reduce your cost per acquisition. Email marketing. You may have heard it again and again, but the fortune really is in the follow-up. Joint ventures, which equal fast profits and exponential growth. Raising your prices, where you find more ways to give more value and help more people getting paid to make this a better world. Building your lifetime customer value, which is a marketer's holy grail, our true one and only goal. So if you need help with any of that of what I mentioned or more, this program is for you. However, once again, if you resonate with what I've just said, then this program is for you. You do need to act fast. This podcast is downloaded by six to 10,000 people a month. And for this group, there are only 20 spots available. To apply, you must download the application form you can loc uh, located at members.bestbusinesscoach.ca forward slash mastermind. Once again, it's members.bestbusinesscoach.ca forward slash mastermind. Download the application, fill it out as best you can, and then email your completed application to mastermind at bestbusinesscoach.ca. Once received, we will use the payment info you provide to process an immediate $1,000 US deposit for the Double Your Business Mastermind Mentorship and Implementation Program. This deposit is refundable if your application is not accepted. Otherwise, it will be deducted from the price of the program. All applications will be time and date stamped once received in full, and decisions between equally qualified candidates will be based on who applied first. This group is not cheap, discounts are not available, and unless you're serious, please do not waste my time or yours. Once again, if you want to be a part of this program, you need to act fast. There are only 20 spots available. To apply, 
download the application form from members.bestbusinesscoach.ca forward slash mastermind. Fill it out, then email your completed application to mastermind at bestbusinesscoach.ca. By sending in your application, you are not automatically signing up for anything. This is just the second step of the application process. Step one was if this message got your interest. Step two is going to members.bestbusinesscoach.ca forward slash mastermind and downloading the application. Step three, we process your $1,000 US, get on the phone to make sure this is a good fit deposit. And if we both agree it's a yes, then on this call, we will discuss the formal registration and payment arrangements. You are simply applying to see if you qualify and the $1,000 US down payment gets us on the phone to make sure you are a fit for this program. Once again, you can find the application at members.bestbusinesscoach.ca forward slash mastermind. Apply today and let me help you become one of the 200 new multi-millionaire business owners I've made a personal mission to help create. First come, first serve. And you will kick yourself if you miss this and your competitors get in, but you didn't. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a friend. I look forward to speaking with you and helping you grow your profits. You are appreciated. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.